Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Futures are weak for the second day in a row as stimulus talks appear to have stalled on Monday. But the news is all about the vaccine as the UK jabs its first patients and we pour through the FDA new, uh, new report on Pfizer's data. Our roadmap begins with the COVID cavalry. Uh, the UK begins vaccinations. This new FDA document shows that Pfizer's COVID vaccine data did not raise safety concerns. Plus, Tesla's $5 billion offering. It's the third this year, seeking to capitalize. Well, it's got a $600 billion market value. So really, why not? And the, quote, worst streaming service. Why director, producer Christopher Nolan is criticizing Warner Media and its HBO Max platform. He had some unkind words, Carl. Yeah, that was spicy. We'll get to that, guys. Uh, Let's start, though, Jim, uh, with this FDA report on uh, the Pfizer data, which they're going to look at as they uh, meet the advisory committee meets this week. I mean, it's it's one thing to hear it from Pfizer, but some of these charts are truly remarkable as the curve bends really after one dose. Yeah, this was big news. And I know that uh, Dr. Gottlieb retweeted uh, that graph, which just showed you a a remarkable uh, bring it on kind of uh, results that make me feel, again, that we are going to be in a situation where uh, things are going to change rather dramatically in uh, 2021. And I think people are going to have to start getting ready and realize that this market's been going up because of uh, uh, some people recognizing that maybe things are, are, are well ahead. I've got an article in my hands from Green Mantle, a publication out of Britain, which says there's going to be a vaccine glut in the advanced economies. David, a vaccine glut. Well, wouldn't that be good news? Yes, that would be good news. Uh, we would hope that, uh, well, first of all, that as many people as possible can take it as quickly as possible. Now, we are also, though, dealing with this news, Jim, that the U.S. government did not uh, take an option on Pfizer's vaccine to as many doses as it might have had available. Scott Gottlieb, of course, who we rely on so often, and there's the story itself, but Scott Gottlieb, who is a board member of Pfizer and, of course, somebody that we have relied on here at CNBC throughout this pandemic for day in, day out, good advice, spoke very candidly. And, you know, sometimes a board member would take the fifth, basically say, hey, I'm not management. He did not do that. He went right at it and said, yeah, there was an option given to the U.S. government. It didn't take it. Take a listen. Pfizer did offer um, an additional allotment coming out of that plant, basically the second quarter allotment to the United States government multiple times. And as recently as after the interim data came out, and we knew this vaccine looked to be effective, I think that the government made a bet that they um, are going to option or advance purchase vaccines from multiple manufacturers. They have agreements now with five or six manufacturers for about 100 million doses each manufacturer. They want to spread those bets. Spread the bets, Spread the bets. Jim, uh, as opposed to potentially it's, it was an option. That's what I don't understand. It wasn't like you had to actually exercise that option and agree to it. You, just the option. Why not take it? 
Why not have as much available as possible, given, of course, he said after the interim. So you already knew there was a decent chance this thing was going to be effective. Well, given what the seven, eight, nine, ten policymakers uh, in the administration, wouldn't you like to know, David, who was on the other side of that? Who said, you know what, we're going to take a pass on that fantastic opportunity? Because once again, what I find is that when we see something like this, we really don't know who's behind it. Was it the FDA? Was it, I don't think it was Dr. Fauci. I, I don't know who the decision making was. Now, listen, we're going to still have, what, 100 million doses. That's 50 million. Remember, you need to. So that's still 50 million people by what? First quarter. That's the production. But that'll get them through June. The Moderna, I don't know where we stand on that, Jim, in terms of what we've optioned or what we haven't uh, from uh, of the Moderna vaccine. But it was rather startling to hear Dr. Gottlieb not mince words. No. Uh, I'd like to know, was the president offended that they weren't part of warp speed? Was there indignance uh, uh, was there something about uh, Pfizer's intransigence in the sense that they said, listen, we can do it uh, on our own way? I mean, Carl, one of the things I'm really confident is that we won't know those answers because it's it, it's uh, it's time really to try to overturn the Pennsylvania and the Georgia situation. Right. I'm Scott. Well, Wagner last yeah, night we got one electoral. <laughs> when will it end? Yeah. Although. Uh, Today is one deadline on the Electoral College uh, appointment of electors, and then we'll get the final deadline on the 14th. So time is clearly running out. Guys, uh, to your point about broader options, J&J is on the tape now, Jim. Could have late-stage trial results earlier than expected. That's uh, incredible. Targeting January 21 for results. I I just got recruited for that trial last week. I mean, they they must have many more people in this trial than I thought. Uh, this is really huge because J&J, and I think we'll find out, is this is the vaccine glut. I think they're ready with hundreds of millions because they had Emergent Bio doing uh, uh, making these vaccines. This is one of those where you kept hearing about J&J saying, you know what, we're going to make them. And if they work, we are going to flood the zone. We're not going to wait for them to be approved. We want to make them. I spoke with the chief scientist of J&J uh, who was working on this. Uh, I think he made it pretty clear that I didn't know what I'm talking about, but that's okay because he's a chief scientist and I, I avoided those classes studiously because I wanted a 4.0. But, David, one thing was absolutely certain is that J&J thinks that they have the holy grail and I have yet to really make a lot of money betting against Gorski and Jane. No, listen, we're going to await the data there. As you say, it may be coming, what, within a, mu- a month, month and a half, we may get it. And it's and funny, I know people in that trial, you do, they clearly are doing a good job recruiting and getting the numbers. They Boy, made. are they efficient. Yeah. It's really amazing um, how good they And are. I think the fact that the virus is, is spreading uh, and raging throughout the country may also encourage some people to say, why not? Right. I got a 50-50 chance of getting a vaccine that may very well end up being effective. Why wouldn't I want to take it now, uh, if possible? Because right. remember, you, some half get placebo, right, Jim? Half don't. That's right, so you may get works. that. And I think that what some people were concerned about is, well, wait a second. If Pfizer is uh, able to produce and uh, you don't you, know, you don't know whether you have the placebo or the right. real or deal. Right, you got the you're placebo, held. then you're uh, right. But then are you stuck? You're not going to be able to get the other one. No, you're held. Yeah, and that's not good. No. Um, but what is good is this idea, again, that we're going to have a number of vaccines to choose from. So perhaps the administration choosing not to exercise that option on more doses of Pfizer will not prove to have been a, a big mistake because there will be a lot more vaccines available when needed. Remember, Pfizer will certainly get us and Moderna at some will get us through the first quarter, and you'd think all the hospital personnel, all the front, many of the frontline people, whether you get to teachers and 
you know, higher risk people as well. I don't know. But you no, know, look, I think it's for real. I think that you're going to get the 22 million of uh, responders. Yep. Uh, and I think that one of the reasons, Carl, that we now know that the market's very prescient. I think the market's been going up because we're starting to realize that this may be, for all intents and purposes in America, not in the rest of the world, uh, over in the second quarter of 2021. Well, that is that is a big piece uh, of uh, Goldman's call today. Uh, Jan Hatzius upping Q4 GDP tracking, Jim, from three, two to five. The title of the report is Cavalry Coming. We're going to talk to David Costin later on in the hour. But uh, their general point is that this is all coming together, not just in the U.S., uh, also in Europe, uh, but it's coming together uh, fast, faster than they thought, and that's, that means you're going to see some benefit before the end of the year. Well, you've got to go by the airline stocks. Now we know why the cruise lines are going up. You can go back to the American Express of the world. Uh, you could say, David, a lot of these have already moved, but you know what? There are plenty of people who did not expect this all to come together so quickly. The vaccine glut is the story of 2021. Let's hope. Well, no, I'm just saying that. I mean, okay. You're saying hey, listen, it. you just explained why the administration <laughs> may not have wanted the Pfizer. Yeah. I think that was a good defense. What was a good defense? Well, you just said the administration may not have yes. felt they needed the Pfizer. Right, because they were, well, as, as Scott Gottlieb said, they seem to want to be pl- uh, spreading their bets. That oh, you, I, oh, I thought that was your view. No, no, I would not venture into oh, making any sort okay. of Oh, okay, I thought that you were saying, listen, let me explain to you what the here. administration did. No, I have never, no idea what they're doing there, oh, nor have checking. I for, for quite some time. Because it would have been a new position, judging from maybe you're thinking that, that Pennsylvania is overturned or Georgia, you want to get on board that bandwagon? I'm not on that bandwagon. I, I go to Carl to keep track of the court cases are they one for 49 i forget what it is carl what the numbers think, are yeah we're, we're we're closing in on 50 that's yeah. for sure well scott wapner tweeted last night and i was watching that's yeah, not a good watching. record that's he's, almost as bad as the jets yeah well one maybe yeah they but they uh, yeah but you see they don't want to tank they don't get a first see the president does not get a you first sure round they don't pick. want to tank because the arguments <laughs> they've been making it kind of does feel like uh you know an all-out blitz on the last play of the game <laughs> I'm going to go to Carl rather than your uh, endless attacks and defenses. <laughs> uh, guys, uh, let's talk more about what happened in the U.K. today. Margaret Keenan, uh, 90 years old, the first patient to receive an authorized vaccine uh, for COVID. Let's get to London and Juliana Tattlebaum. Morning, Juliana. Good morning. So today marks a milestone here in the United Kingdom. We have officially begun the rollout of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. This is a massive national vaccination program. And I'm standing in front of Guy's Hospital in central London. The vaccination will begin being offered at over 50 hospital hubs around the country and eventually be made available in other settings like vaccination centers, which are currently being set up, as well as primary care settings and care homes. Those who are going to be offered the vaccine first consists of those people who are over 80 years old, frontline healthcare workers, and long-term care home workers. Uh, and as I mentioned, eventually they hope to uh, offer this vaccine directly in the long-term care homes. This morning, the first two people to be offered the vaccine and take it, they were Margaret Keenan, a 90-year-old British woman, and William Shakespeare, an 81-year-old British man. So a massive day here in the United Kingdom when it comes to this vaccine rollout. Carl? Juliana, uh, everybody taking note of the William Shakespeare. Uh, Jim, and hopefully we get some pictures like that of our own stateside next week. Jim? 
happened, Carl? The tyranny could be over. Can you imagine? David, can you imagine what it'd be like to go over and shake your hand again? Or at least get within your force field? What do you mean? I want a hug, man. I want a hug, and I want a good, old-fashioned, serious I'll look at your arms. Hug. If you got the jab, I'll hug you. I want it. All right? All right. It's been too long. It has too been long, too long, my friend. I remember I got the polio vaccine, Carl, and my parents said, okay, you can go out. Go outside. It's okay. <laughs> National imperative. President Eisenhower didn't want anybody else in this country to get polio. So you just got fed. It wasn't like you had a lot of choice. There weren't a lot of anti-vaxxers saying bring on the polio. It, it, that didn't happen because we saw the, a president of the United States who had polio, and you didn't want it. Now, I think that if this, if this were to go on, David, if this, if this illness were to go on three, four years, I think a lot of the anti-vaxxers would change oh, their minds. Man. I mean, again, I come back to the idea when, we, when this pandemic began and we all be, looked at how long it takes to develop a vaccine. Yes. We thought it would be amazing if, in fact, you could shrink it down to two years, Jim. And here we are. Nine wow. months later, it's it is nothing short of a miracle, Carl. No. And, and not days. a single how what analyst, what 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 strategist, Carl, came on and said, you know what, we'll beat this thing by your end. Which one? Let me know. There are not many, not no. many, Jim. That's that was part of Goldman's point is that nobody really truly believed. And that's why some of the expectations they think are going to be coming it's up. Amazing. As we said, we'll talk more about that later on today. We'll take a break. I got to talk some Tesla third capital raise of the year uh, and some uh, storylines that dovetail with Goldman on that. We'll get to Stitch Fix, Toll Brothers, Uber, uh, as David said, AT&T, this Warner fight with Christopher Nolan when Squawk on the Street returns. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Tesla's down pre-market in a filing. The company says it plans to sell up to $5 billion in stock at market prices from time to time. It is the third capital raise of the year after $5 billion in September, $2 billion in February. Uh, Jim, for a company with $14 billion in cash and uh, led by Goldman uh, this round, uh, which, of course, took it to buy six days ago. I think that uh, Elon Musk is brilliant. I think he even understands the mentality of the buyers, uh, particularly some of the younger buyers who, frankly, just have no price that they won't pay. David, we discussed the other day that the way you got your stock up, stock up and being a little facetious is like carnival. You do offerings, you do loot, you do bond deals. Yeah. David, they're not They're going to say an equity offering. Well, this is great. They've got five billion more. They can build the truck facility. They can build Berlin and they can expand in China. David, yeah. the younger generation is not cynical. They think this is Elon Musk building a the biggest car company in the world. Well, it's got to be a lot more than just the biggest car company in the world at a $600 billion market value. Why is that? Why? Because it's just hard for me to imagine it could ever grow into its valuation. But that's you. I mean, uh, you're just a, if it's just cars, it's got to be batteries. To, it's got to be solar. It's got to be autonomous. It's got to be a lot of things. Well, but they believe, may well be. they believe in this man. Oh, clearly. And he is a unique individual. Right. We all recognize that. He's now also one of the wealthiest men on the planet. Um, with this move of 667% in the stock 
this year. You can see what it's done. I remember, guys, when it was a $50 billion market value, which, by the way, we thought was quite high. Right. And if they had gone out and sold 2 or $3 billion, that would have been significant dilution. Right. Now they can do $5 billion. By the way, it's time to time. They haven't sold it yet, but they can when they want. Uh, and it's less than 1% of the company. It's, it's truly amazing. Uh, they are, as Carl pointed out, of course, just racking up a huge cash pile. Yes. Which, Jim, I don't know what they're going to use for, well, but I guess it gives them a lot of optionality. Well, I'll tell you one thing, David. It's entirely possible that they're using it for things that we don't know that he has planned. That's the greatness of this man. That's why this younger generation is willing to give him the money. They're saying, look, he's Steve Jobs. Who knows what he comes up with next? I want a share of it. No, there's, you're, no I know. Uh, it's, it's extraordinary. And who are, they to, who are we to criticize, Carl, their wonderment? Who sixth. are we to criticize their belief in this man? We're, yeah, well, you and I, we're anachronisms. You know that. You well, I. speak for yourself. Less, less so, Carl. He's more connected in. But you and I are just, I'm, yeah, I'm a... Really, I'm a troglodyte. You're a veloc- velociraptor. You wish you were a velociraptor. <laughs> You're Newman in that fir- original movie. <laughs> Newman from Seinfeld. Well, Jim, uh, I mean, they are going to they are going to double CapEx in the next two years, to your point about new factories. Although uh, some on Twitter this morning pointed out that uh, in 2012, Musk did say Tesla does not need to ever raise another funding round. But things change. Well, look, I, I don't think he ever thought that there would be investors who, who have suspended short-term judgment going for longer-term judgment. And by the way, let, let's remember, let's, let's salute this man. He's, going, he's building a factory in the single most important part of the world when it comes to autos, which is Germany. And I think you're going to need every penny to make it so that you have uh, you've got the best cars in the world. I think that to do the to do the pickup truck, David, is going to cost a lot of money. You're up against some very serious companies when it comes to pickups. And that's where the money is. Well, he's got plenty of money, not to mention uh... this podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Again, an enormous market cap. But, you know, it's not just it's not just Tesla, as you know, Jim. Uh, And here it gets a little more speculative when we talk about this new generation of investors who like all things EV related. I mean, QuantumScape. Remember that? You know, these SPAC EV deals. I've been following the SPAC. Take a look what's going on there. I mean, look at the moves in QuantumScape. That's this morning. That's what we're looking for. I know. Nicola, Trevor Milton says not going to sell. Remember, he owns. Is that 92 million shares? Yeah. Do you that. think a 30% owner will not have any influence on management? I think he would have a lot of influence. Yes, and that is the point. There's Lordstown again, another one that was a SPAC, began trading October 26th. Uh, um, it's got a truck called the Endurance, a prototype available in January, beginning to ship by the end of 2021. We can go on and on with Have you seen the Fisker, the car? I have not. It's gorgeous. Bill McDermott has called one. called the Ocean? CEO of ServiceNow. The now. Ocean. Yeah. He has one. Oh, he I says like you can name. see the ocean, and it's gorgeous. I'd like to see the ocean from my bedroom window if I could, but I can't. Why not? You can zoom in. I could zoom in. Maybe I could put a big screen up. It's the zoom screen of the ocean. 
Guys, we'll take a break here. Uh, Ten minutes away from the opening bell on this Tuesday. Don't go anywhere. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Welcome back. Time for a mad dash as we count down to the opening bell about seven minutes from now. Uh, Toll Brothers reported after the bell, I believe. Yeah, this is one of those where uh, the net, tra- net contract value up 63 percent. You can't beat that year over year. Uh, but the, the analysts are reducing estimates for 2021 based on a guidance forecast of homes going down in price, 790000 810000 versus 838000 Now, look, I, this is a conservative company, and they tend to do this. But, David, you know that housing has been one of the strengths red, of the economy. Red hot, and prices have moved up dramatically right. in many regions and areas of the country. So I thought this was a – I just bring it to attention – to your attention because I, I, I keep hearing about the exodus out of the uh, – the urban exodus because yeah. of the vaccine. Then you keep wondering, well, when will people say, you know what, I don't have to leave anymore. We, we're getting vaccinated. I'm not going to sell my place down 20 percent and go buy an expensive house. I think that's I think that already is. We've hit that. Well, that's, point and that's why I think that maybe that's exodus, but it doesn't mean there's still not competition or people who temporarily left, decided they want to stay where may, they may be. And or, of course, we talk so often about the ability to now work remotely in a way that is not going to stigmatize your employer or yourself. I know. Uh, and that has changed people's thoughts if they were not enamored of the urban environment that but they were we, living in. Truly, we have to watch this because the home story is part of the Fed keeping rates down. And it's 10 uh, percent of the economy's home. But obviously, as uh, people say, it punches above its weight. But uh, I would like to think that tolls just being conservative because I still very much believe in the housing market. And it's still not back to where it could be. But it's worth it because uh, to watch because tolls are a very good company. All right. Well, stock is going to open down. Of course, we have uh, every stock opening a few minutes from now. Stay with us on Squawk. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm OK. When the truth is. I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Watch shares of uh, Stitch Fix this morning may well open with a five handle as it's trading 50-30 pre-market. Uh, surprise profit, revenue ahead. Uh, hires a new CFO from Amazon. Jim, this name was $10 in March. Well, I've got to tell you, I, I have always been a big fan of Katrina Lake. I visited her out in San Francisco at Stitch Fix. I had her on many, many times. And a lot of people felt, Carl, there's a 37% short position that who needs Stitch Fix if you're at home uh, and, and not dressing up anymore to go to work? Well, the answer is 
millions of people. And this was a phenomenal quarter. Uh, what it does say is, is that people like the process of help being uh, 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 of trying to figure out what they want to wear. David, they, a lot of people are just trying to say, you know what, maybe I need athleisure. Maybe I can get away with it. Can I get away with it? It is a remarkable quarter because people bet against her. I I, mean, why? It's algorithmic. It is inexpensive. It is a terrific way to figure out if you happen to have no taste whatsoever or you don't have time and you want an inexpensive clothes, use Stitch Fix. If you have no taste? Yeah, well, it's great for people who have no taste. Mm. I'm not talking about the no taste that you get from COVID. I'm talking about the, you know, my daughter had no taste for three weeks with COVID. No taste. But this is no taste, meaning you... You, you wear horribly looking clothes. Yes. Yeah, you don't know what you're doing. Yes. Like the brown shoes that you wear, yeah. David, with the rest of the outfit. Yes. Stitch Fix would not find that acceptable. And you'd have to, like, Wait, go are put... are you specifically talking about my shoes right now? No, I was just using a wider... Uh, oh. uh, actually, it was just okay. a height. Thank you. Um, you know, it was... Um, I've seen those black shoes you got on. It's hypothetical. 1987. It's a Reebok. I've been wearing the same Reebok since 1987. Yeah, That's yeah. true. Carl, back to you. Let's get the opening bell, guys. Uh, take a look at uh, breadth on the S&P there. Uh, we're coming off a record close, Jim, on the NASDAQ. That's 48 record closes of the year. That's a record close on the NAS 20% of the time, all the, year. The semiconductor stocks have been leaders, and they've been amazing. I mean, it, any bit of good news for one semiconductor is immediately translated to other semiconductors. And I find this, this is group a fabulous leadership group because semiconductors are no longer just in PCs, although it looks like the Apple uh, semiconductor, people are really raving about it for the new Mac. But I just find, you know, you, you'll get a Corvo, get a positive note today. Corvo, David, is a, a cell phone uh, semi, mm-hmm. not um, a... a um, tequila. Yep. And it had some positive notes and that's going to reverberate throughout. And we also get another group, Carl, that's been a leader is cybersecurity, which you need when you move to the home office. And that is just the endless move in Palo Alto going up and it's CrowdStrike going up. And then Coupa reported a fantastic quarter last night. Coupa is uh, a way to procure goods that is uh, doing incredibly well, and that's driving a whole nother group. So the NASDAQ is up because they keep reporting great numbers and reporting great numbers, and buying the, people buy the semis, and it's not even the Robin Hood types, it's everybody. Um, you mentioned semis, Jim. I did want yeah. to mention, you know, uh, on semi. I don't know if you followed I that. I saw there was a note on it Yeah, today. well, they have a new CEO. Um, uh, and he was prior the CEO of Cyprus before they sold to Infineon, and they created a lot of value there, I think. Oh, I had that guy on. Yes. That was monster good. Hussein El Khoury. Oh, he's fantastic. And uh, so on semis up about 5%. Remember, this was a favorite of Jeff Smith. Um, If you guys remember, he came on and talked about on semi, actually, as one of his larger positions uh, at his firm. I think people say that on semi is re- being positioned for sale. If that man's there. I think they should say it's being positioned to be better run. You think so? Yeah. Uh, I think, that, oh, right. I mean, yeah. as I said, Starboard, Jeff Smith, of course, uh, large holder there. Starboard uh, is a fantastic investor in the semiconductor shape. They do. They do seem they, to have a good call on semi. Yeah, they do. Of course, Mellanox was another one that they were very involved with prior to it. Well, by NVIDIA. Right. 
Right. Uh, um, and don't forget Marvell Technology. Yes, of course, Marvell. That's right. Exactly. Thank you. Um, so just wanted to point that out again. We got a few CEO changes. I think Evergy also appointed a new CEO uh, taking over at the beginning of the year. Remember, it's a company that I had talked about as well when there was some you know, takeover speculation around Evergy. Typically, when you do see a new CEO, as you know, Carl uh, and Jim, uh, you don't get a sale because new CEOs, board is obviously making a commitment to them in some way. Occasionally right. we see it, but rarely that suddenly a sales process will pop up. But that is saying, oh, Corey, I'm glad you brought it in attention because yeah. Cypress had really languished. Mm-hmm. He fixed Cypress, and the next thing you know, someone bought it. As opposed to shopping it as much, he just created a very good Internet of Things uh, semiconductor company. And, Carl, that's what people want. They want Internet of Things. Uh, it doesn't sound then, Jim, like the, uh, the trade out of tech into cyclicals, if this vaccine is really going to work around the world, is going to be uh, as neat as some had predicted. No, look, I, I do think that uh, when I look at what is going up every day other than Snowflake, which is really rather amazing, uh, I do see the airlines going up. But for the most part, what I see are companies that are involved uh, with Digital, the digitizing move, I mean, which, which, you know, Saudi Nadell was the first guy who brought it to our attention. But we do see over and over again, we, we, well, David, what are you hearing about the Salesforce deal? Because this is what is at the, at the crux of the axis being built to check the Microsoft Adobe group. Right. Well, there's, you know, I mean, there's two different, as there always are. There's the argument that says Salesforce has been an incredibly acquisitive company, that they are moving so quickly, there are some questions, are they truly integrating everything? And again, Mr. Benioff already doesn't really like me, but I, I got to say these things, and you know, whatever, it's fine. Um, did you, what did you he say? He loves you, but that's Did been you the say he doesn't like you? Yeah, well, you know I he doesn't. I like asked that he likes you. You know he doesn't, but that's well, okay. Well, Carl, it's so important uh, when people like David. You know how he's and, sensitive. And I, yeah, well, it was the only it's time key. somebody, it's key. yeah, when I turned to somebody and asked them a question, they actually just didn't even he didn't even actually acknowledge I was in the room. I asked the late Andy Grove a question. Yeah. Did he and, ignore and you? No, he just turned around. Yeah, okay. He I didn't ignore me. He just turned around. <laughs> like, I didn't even <laughs> exist. That, that happened a couple of times. Um, but, Jim, on Salesforce, and then the other thing is, hey, it's Salesforce. I mean, they've done nothing wrong over a long period of time. Nope. He is relentless. Uh, yes. And they are going to take it to Microsoft, and this is going to be a true competitive battle and something we need to watch very closely. Well, Saudi Nadella is, is, is not a, he is a powerful foe. Remember, uh, Carl, they want Salesforce. This all, the split came when Mark bought, or thought he had bought, LinkedIn, which was a fabulous acquisition, by the way. But Microsoft came in and bought it. And ever since then, I don't want to say there's bad blood. I just think there's no blood. And I think that Slack yeah. is really important to go against Microsoft. And Slack had a good quarter. No well, one's talking about it. Well, you have. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for Salesforce, listening. of course, uh, one, of the, one of the many companies that are going to be either having an investor meeting or presenting this week. I bring that up, guys, because Stanky speaking at UBS. I know David's got more on Warner. But Jim uh, Scharf also at uh, Goldman today, uh, Wells Fargo, uh, says he's going to roll out some new reporting metrics in January, probably another restructuring charge in Q4. And WFC is one of the names not working today. Yeah, I think that that may actually be an opportunity if it comes down a little, because Sharp is obviously making many, many right moves. Uh, it's also, it's kind of broken free of the general group. Although the you know, general group's been pretty good, but you, I think Charlie Sharp's imprint is starting to be felt. Now, at Bank of New York, there really wasn't that much. But we know, David, he built the powerhouse. That was Visa. 
Man. Recurring cash flow there is really incredible. Where? Oh, Visa? Oh, Visa, yeah. Visa's a huge company that never gets talked about. I know it never. We, well, we occasionally remark on its enormous size and market cap, which is larger than most of the big banks. Right. Um, or, but PayPal. Or, not all of them at this point. But remember, it PayPal was paper. Also, the big banks were regarded as paper, which is really wrong. But then it was plastic. Yep. And, that, and Charlie Sharp once told me, what's, oh is God, it so hard I to pull? Look late. It's $452 billion. Yeah, it's what, one of Visa? the largest market cap. Yeah. Charlie Sharp's another guy who's a tough guy. He I is. said, I think that yeah. what's going to happen, Carl, I once said, I think PayPal could give you a run for the money. Mm-hmm. And he said, let me ask you, how long does it take to take a, a piece of plastic out of your wallet? And said, so, okay, okay. I mean, some of these guys put their force of will. <laughs> David, not everybody likes me, okay? Charlie put the gun to my head immediately when I met him. And I said, get to take the gun away from me. Okay, and did he? Yeah, ultimately, I, I became... Um, yeah, you guys are, you guys are yeah. uh, collegial. Yes, we are. Yeah. Uh, you know, my wife says he's an associate. I once said, he's a friend. She says, no, he's an associate. Um, well, he still has many challenges at Wells Fargo, but he's got to be happy that the company's market cap is about $119 billion as opposed to 89 which I think it right. was at its lows, or in the $90 billion range, which was truly stunning, although we do see it down. Guys, you know the, what they, how they, some of these, our shows do mystery charts. They don't put the... Yeah, Name I always get it. them right, and I always you, tweet them. I would think you always I get them get right them. about 100% of the time. Yeah, I would assume you you would be the one person who yeah. always get them yes, right. Yes, Brian Sullivan. I wish I could I do it with him. this next one, but I think we can't. Um, they, I'm going to have the CEO on later uh, this morning. Uh, they acquired the rest of Big River Steel and uh, for $744 Letter million. Letter X. Have Letter seen, X? Have you seen Letter X last three months? What, you're going to tell me that you're bigger Jim, than U.S. Steel yourself? Jim, there it is, 50.1%. Remember they announced this deal. We actually had CEO David Bird on. At that point, we're going to bring him back to sort of finish that conversation up. Take a look at this stock the last three months. Do we have it? Well, I mean, there's a year. It's up 136%, okay. Jim. What well, happened? It was down a lot, David. What happened? Well, it, That's, it, is it survived. Did it move into EV? It survived. Unknow, did it unknow it? Did we not see uh, an announcement that they're making a battery? What, what happened there? But with David, look where it went to. 140%. And it didn't go under. I mean, people felt that it was only going to be Nucor that was left. I know. And by the way, you know what someone will say? What? That this is President Trump's anti-dumping philosophy that made, steel, made Letter X live. You asked David Byrne that the president saved U.S. Steel. Ask him. Uh, well, and steel, U.S. steel mills have closed their order books, right, for 2020. At least I'm reading one piece on that here. And the books will reopen for 2021 at an $800 ton base price. That's pretty good. That's my understanding. Yeah, well, Nucor's um, even better. So go buy Nucor if you like Letter X, okay? Okay, uh, I got it. Finally, guys, the speculation continues in a lot of different names. Beginning at 4 a.m. in the morning, a real volume, Jim. I don't know. I mean, you're up at that time. I'm I was up at 3.15 not, today. I try not to be, but if you take a look at some of the names we've talked about so often, Laser, uh, Palantir. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's Bill Foley's back from yesterday. He came on, remember Bill Foley, Transamine? Oh, yeah. uh, Foley, Transamine. Look at that. Look at these moves. And then this, also this People Belladyne, which wasn't even a People are making huge amounts of money. But it's LIDAR. 4.30 in the morning. Young people are making huge amounts of money, Real David. volume. Real volume. Not just, you know, but millions of shares in some cases. You want to yeah. keep young people in their index fund chains. They're not listening. They're not listening. They're not listening. They're all up dramatically this morning. And I've been urging them to you take a little off the You don't think that table. that is a reflection of an, an additional speculation in this, in this market that perhaps will be met with, uh, let's say, a less than welcome reception at some point down the road? Well, 
you know, David, hydrogen fuel cells are the future. They are. And these people take a longer term view. Uh, I have urged people to take profits. It doesn't matter. I've told them to go buy a cashmere sweater. Just go. OK, they're not listening. Right. And that, that's a cross section there. Pounder, obviously. Pounder's a defense stock in good million. The other, the laser and Velodyne are about LIDAR technology for autonomous. And then you got the SPAC from yesterday. Carl, back to you. All right, guys, hanging on to 30K uh, by about 50 points. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Morning, Bob. Good morning, Carl. Uh, happy Tuesday, everybody. Uh, rally's uh, in a little bit of trouble. It's running out of steam here. I don't think uh, it's big trouble, but there are some questions about how much more oomph we've got here, even if we get a stimulus deal. So let's take a look at the sectors. And remember, the big moves that we saw in November and the first part of December were in that reopening story, primarily around the bank stocks, big moves on the upside, energy stocks. That's sort of flattish these days, uh, but it's a little better than, uh, than, uh, than uh, maybe some people would hope for. Industrials uh, slightly on the upside. Uh, one big winner has been semiconductors. Flattish today, but as uh, Jim mentioned, and we were doing this yesterday, uh, most of the new high list yesterday was in the semiconductor uh, area. So keep an eye on all of that and whether or not that bank and energy still has much more room to go. Uh, meantime, mega cap has been flattish now uh, for a good part of the month. Uh, I say Google has probably done better than all of them. But again, flattish there, not a lot of leadership in the last few days. So the question is, how much more oomph is there in the market? Remember where we're at here. We're at historic highs here and a very pricey situation. So the vaccine uh, distribution here, the Pfizer vaccine, this seems somewhat limited. Uh, that may be an issue overall. The stimulus is a little uncertain. Brexit's uncertain, although I saw the pound move in the last hour. We may be getting some news here on Brexit, which is going to be important, I think, for certainly European valuations. And we've talked about how high the valuations are, 22 times 2021 earnings estimates on the S&P 500. That's pricey, folks. At these prices, even a stimulus deal plus vaccine could become a sell on the news event. That's what I'm concerned about, that valuation. So remember, we had this reopening enthusiasm, all the work from home. Home stocks sort of underperformed uh, and towards the end of November. And this is happening into December. So here's your, you know, work from home stuff, the Kroger's, the Home Depot. Keep an eye on Home Depot. You know, that's the big stock in the consumer discretionary group. That's been looking very toppy recently. Sherwin-Williams, Target, all down so far. This is for December. Uh, what we're talking at. What's a little more concerning is the industrials. They had a great, great rally. David was talking about the, the, the steel stocks, too. But uh, they've also sort of run out of steam. That's a little more disconcerting, given that, as I said, that's part of the reopening story. So Cummins, Deere, uh, uh, Rockwell, some of the other names that are out there eating all down for the month. Meantime, the stuff that you think would be moving, the reopening stuff, is up nicely. But this is what we call the high beta stuff. That's the oil names, you know, like Occidental, the cruise lines, the airlines. These are stocks, high beta names, that they move on whether the market's moving or not. If the market moves 1%, they move 2%. Uh, so they jump around an awful lot. And so far, they've been holding up. But you kind of want a much broader rally than that. And I think that's going to be the issue right now. We don't want just these high beta stocks moving around or up or down on any one day. You want to see uh, a broad participation in the market. We had it up until a few days ago. It's starting to stall out now. And guys, I think the big issue for the market now is we get the stimulus. It's a trillion. Pick a number right around there. What does the market do with that? And the indications are right now, it's prepared to do very, very little on that stimulus news. Keep an eye on the uh, Brexit story, guys. There's something going on there right now. Yeah, two stories, Bob, that have implications for bonds and currencies. Let's get to Rick Santelli this morning. Hey, Rick. Good morning, Carl. 
Yes, the treasury complex yields are holding up rather well on the long-dated treasuries like 10s and 30s. But as you look at an intraday of 10, once again, we have failed from kind of the mid to high 90s as we are coming down. And one of the reasons we're coming down today in yield outside of the obvious, which is, of course, that the equities aren't sizzling in Greece, at least not yet, is, well, technical. Look at a two-day of 10s. Yesterday's yield low was around 92 basis points, and when we went through that level, we accelerated. And if you open the chart up to November 1st, you could clearly see we have sort of this kind of double area of resistance from uh, about the second week in November and, of course, last week with our 96-plus high yield closes. So you know where you're off sides if we start to trade above 1%. Look for a lot of uh, various position changing that should give us some more momentum to the downside in price and the upside in yield. If we look at the dollar index, it's hovering at a 31-month low, as you see on this chart, that starts uh, back in the spring of 2018. And finally, if we start to zero in on various other currencies, the dollar versus the Chinese yuan, it is hovering at 29-month lows, pretty much a lateral move today versus yesterday. And We've been talking about the pound. Bob talked about the pound, and there's good reason, of course. The last day of the year, we're going to have our Brexit. The issues on the table now are trade, trying to get a trade agreement together, and the pound versus the dollar had a reversal yesterday. But if you take a step back, we're basically hovering at the best levels. Pound benefit against the greenback since May of 2018. And one of the other things, hedging, super expensive. Check out the cost of option volatility, especially on the put side. Carl Jim David. Back to you. All right, Rick, thank you very much. Rick Santelli. Uh, later on this morning, Goldman's chief U.S. equity strategist, David Costin, as uh, Goldman ups their Q4 GDP tracking to plus five. We'll talk to David about that. And, of course, the markets later on today. Don't go anywhere. Christopher Nolan, director of Warner Brother films such as Batman Begins and more recently Tenant, is slamming the studio for releasing its 2021 film slate theatrically and on HBO Max, of course, its streaming service simultaneously. In a statement to The Hollywood Reporter, Nolan ripped HBO Max as, quote, the worst streaming service. He goes on to say, Warner Brothers had an incredible machine for getting a filmmaker's work out everywhere, both in theaters and in the home, and they are dismantling it as we speak. They don't even understand what they're losing. Their decision makes no economic sense, and even the most casual Wall Street investor can see the difference between disruption and dysfunction. Uh, Jim, yesterday we were speaking somewhat positively. I think you were referencing a city note in, yes. the, um, in your mad dash on AT&T. You know, I come back to the Moffat Nathanson note when we got this bombshell last week, and it is a bombshell. Remember, $1.8 billion is the five-year average in terms of what these guys would do at the box office every year. Uh, they were number two to Disney. And he went on to say it's the first to truly blow up the model. They, they're, by skipping that window... That pay one window is now the HBO Max release. It no longer generates cash, and it merely shifts content between the segments. And they do expect, when they look at it, uh, that the $2.4 billion worth of uh, EBIT generated in 19 is going to take a big hit. And, and that continues to be the question as Stanky speaks today at a... At a a virtual uh, conference. Yeah, I thought that was amazing. And you flagged it yesterday. I was coming in hot thinking that this might be the way to create value. And the downside... Uh, was not really. Uh, but the uh, other question, of course, Carl, is the creators themselves, those who uh, those who who direct and or write and all the other parts of the chain that typically Carl got compensated later as well. 
They've got to figure out a new way to compensate mm-hmm. them, potentially, it would seem. And Christopher Nolan's voice is not an insignificant one to say, whoa, this is no good. Yeah, uh, yeah, the back book is a big deal. I mean, Nolan is, um, as you know, David, uh, a, a little eccentric in Hollywood in that he, he makes a certain type of movie and is insistent upon it being seen a certain type of way. A lot of uh, other directors might not be as, as prickly about it. Stanky, though, to your point about his, uh, his presentation today, says we're, uh, we're leaning into where things are going. Uh, adds that the hours of engagement on HBO Max are up 36% in 30 days. A lot of that's because of the undoing, which... Uh, you know, by all accounts, was a success, although not a theatrical event. Uh, so it's going to get spicy. Yeah, I've been watching the flight attendant, enjoying that actually. You like that? Yeah, the undoing. Bit. I was I like tempted with too. that. Yeah, the undoing. I like the undoing. Well, the opening sequence, by the way, I watch it every time. The great, one of the best opening sequences. Love the music, Carl. You love, you know, your. But there's nothing like Queen's Gambit. I mean, let's just tell the truth. Queen's Gambit was the best. <laughs> Checkmate. Also good. Yep. <laughs> um, Guys, by the way, be sure to stay tuned for an exclusive with Warner Brothers Entertainment CEO and Sarnoff. We'll talk about this and a lot more. We'll take a quick break here. Dow's down about 29. Don't go away. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. One of my favorite CFOs, who is uh, Christine McCarthy, and Christine has done a remarkable job. I have a chart. She started in 2000 as treasurer, became CFO in 2015, has accepted an extension, which is very important. She handles all the conference calls. She raised a lot of capital when people were very worried about Disney during the dark days. She will stay on to help oversee the transition, the pivot to 2022. We'll hear that when uh, Disney talks uh, on Thursday. And it's very, very good news because it's a steady hand uh, who has stayed through the, uh, the Iger transition and I've got to tell you, I remain convinced that Disney is one of the best stocks to own. Yeah, I think we got, I think the street high is still 175, Jim. It's going to be fascinating to get uh, more granularity on, on streaming efforts. What's tonight? Okay, tonight we have Chewy, which is a popular favorite among all of us who own pets. And then Hain Celestial, first time Mark Schiller. Remember, we used to have Hain on quite a bit. Uh, but this is the new Hain, uh, still natural and organic, but much more slimmed down and much, I think, more lucrative. So, you know, stay tuned. Chewy, David. Chewy. Anybody who's a, a any, look, I've got pictures that Chewy did of our dogs and Chewy's near and dear to me. So we'll have them on tonight. I, I remember when they came in. Uh, that's, that's great. We'll see you tonight, Jim. Mad Money, Thank of course, you. with Jim Cramer, 6 p.m. Eastern time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.